WV Uncommonplace. This podcast is a variety podcast that houses numerous series to cover mental health, empowerment, podcast framework, and various intimate series to get to know the hosts. Along with occasional movies reviews and dives in pop culture with our event podcast episodes. The Uncommonplace digs into bringing guests on that stories don't fit the mold and are very different. WV stands for the great state of West Virginia and every quarter we cover something in West Virginia. Stacy and myself JR are your hosts so please come along for this venture to Uncommonplace. Welcome to West Virginia and Commonplace. My name is J.R. Sparrow. I've been your host for a long, long time. And today, like always, we have a guest. We have a guest that has come from far away, and um, she has a lot to bring to the table, and she has an interesting name. I'm going to spell it first. A-N-Z-A. Her last name's Goodbar. Anza Goodbar. Anza, could you please tell the audience who you are, why you are here, and what do you bring to the table? Oh my goodness. Well, first of all, I'd like to thank you for having me on your show today. Um, like you said, my name is Anza Goodbar. I live in Denver, Colorado. I am a serial entrepreneur. I grew up in an entrepreneurial family. Both of my parents owned a business. So I grew up working in our family business from the time I was 11. I thought I wanted to go and be a part of corporate America, but I wasn't a good fit. I was always trying to fix things and create things. And they were like, no, 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 this is what we do and how we do it. Just do your job, right? Mm -hmm. And so I learned a lot about what it meant to have an entrepreneurial mindset, just trying to figure out who I was in my early days. It wasn't until I was in my 40s that my oldest son had graduated from college and said, hey, mom, I'm going to start a mortgage company. Why don't you come do it with me? And it was like, you know what, it's time. I had learned so much about the world of business from trying to figure out what I wanted to be when I grew up, so to speak. And that kind of started my entrepreneurial journey. And, you know, I love being able to um, set my own hours, build my business around my life. Um, A lot of entrepreneurs I work with, their life is their business. And so I like to be able to teach people how to build a business that supports their lifestyle um, versus the other way around. Okay. And you said something that struck a chord with me in uh, Everyone knows what type of job I do. We didn't get to discuss it in our pre-call. We'll talk about it later. But um, I work for one of the biggest corporations. It's a big store, basically, if that doesn't tell you who it is. And they employ a lot of people. uh, And then the job I do, I um, make sure that the remodels inside this big store take place all across the U.S. So um, one thing that you said, and it it, it just tickled my fancy, Uh, the, the statement that you didn't say it's the invisible one about working above your pay grade. Mm -hmm. That was something that when I was working for another company, it stopped me with my pivot point. And I'm glad that the audience gets to hear that that was a pivot point for you because when someone tells you that, that kind of makes you feel, it's not low, but how did it make you feel? It made me feel like I was a square peg trying to fit into a round hole, you know? And it wasn't that I didn't try hard because I did, but I just had bigger ideas and I could see the potential for different things 
that, you know, the answer was always no, no, no. And I'm a big believer that if God closes one door, he's going to open a window somewhere else and you just have to get through all the no's to get to that yes. But I also knew that for every position that I was in, there was a reason, there was a purpose, there was a lesson. And, you know, I think back to um, my time, I worked for a Christian nonprofit and I worked for the CFO and it was a great time to hone in my leadership skills. There were a lot of issues that he had dealing with upper level, C-level executives, but also with the managers who were on his team who were his direct reports. And it gave me the opportunity to really get good at communication, at people skills, at conflict resolution, at training. And, you know, there was one time where we went through a rocky year together. It was really rough. And at the end of the year, he said, you know, I know that you put these things together for my staff, but at the heart of it, you really put it together to help me grow, didn't you? And it was like, yes, yes, I did. And that's what he called leading up, you know, and I was learning that leadership is really about finding solutions to the problem and not being locked into, oh, well, that's not my problem. I'm not a C-level executive, right? That's for him to figure out. It was okay for me to use my gifts and talents in a way that provided a solution and made a positive impact. And I think that was one of the biggest lessons that I learned working in a large corporation. Okay. So no type of conformity. That's, that's what you, you took that out <laughs> the equation because so many people try to go, it's A, B, C, and sometimes it's A to D, E to F. We go back to A because we got to reassess. And then, and I, yeah. I like that. I like that. Yeah. Now, being multifaceted, you have a lot of titles to your name, entrepreneur, certified life coach, uh, training speaker, and a best-selling author. So you, so you got a lot to your name. Um, and, and before we dip into anything else, into uh, the other business that you're into, um, how do you handle all those titles? And, and I'm going to throw a little filler here real quick so that you can get everything together. I know you already got your thoughts together, but I'm just going to put this in. Uh, me personally, I always have to... to to sometimes stop certain things that I'm doing because um, I, I learned sometimes that when you know you're doing a podcast sometimes you become a semi-motivational speaker on a lower level I'm not certified to to counsel or coach or do any of that stuff but sometimes I'm like hey I gotta step back here stop this and get the podcast focused back on the person so mm-hmm. and even in that I take that in real life that sometimes I, I get out of line like I have so many different things that I do other businesses that I'm like, I've got to stop this title and be this person at this moment. So how do you handle all those titles and what made you want to be so multifaceted? Mm -hmm. Well, I kind of alluded to this earlier in our conversation, but I was always the girl who didn't know who she wanted to be when she grew up because she wanted to be all these things. And um, I find that there's a different season for every one of those roles. And so for me, it's all about my family. How do I build my business around my family? What are the priorities that um, are in place? And so part of it is I use a filtering system. Is this helping me achieve my goal? Is it interfering with the time that I have set aside to spend with my family? And I make sure, because I'm an introvert, I make sure that I have a lot of time built into my calendar for self-care. And so if I'm going to be speaking, I make sure that I have time before and after to recharge my battery, because that's really important for me to show up and give my all. And if I'm too busy doing 
doing all the things that you need to do, then it sucks all the energy out and I don't perform at my highest level. I think another part of it is really being able to block my time. And so during different parts of the day, I put on a different hat. Sometimes I am the business owner. Sometimes I am the creative writer. You know, sometimes I am that public speaker. And so I'm really intentional about how I structure my day, my week, my year. And so I know what's going on so I can stand in the role that I need to be in at that particular time. But I think one of the biggest lessons was learning how to delegate and to say, you know what, this needs to be done, but I don't need to be the one to do it. And so I can let other people fill in those roles, even though it, it might still be a role that I, I claim in my everyday life, I can delegate some of those duties to other people on my team. And that is a true leader right there, delegation. If you can't delegate, <laughs> that, sometimes that's a missing tool in certain leaders. Right. Now, it is. One thing that I, that I like about your success and what I've read and what I've been able to see, you are not a product of the pandemic. No, you are a you were before that. And, and, and that, that's not being disrespectful to anybody during the pandemic. But the pandemic gave certain people or gave a lot of people different ways to prioritize things because life slowed down. Mm -hmm. So in 2018. Three books. Three books in 2018. Yeah. How do you do do that? Like, and and how do you um, like, find time for yourself? Three books. That's a that's a lot. Well, first of all, let me let me just add some uh, parameters to that. They were book okay. projects that I was a part of, so I wasn't responsible for the book in its entirety. I. I did a chapter for each of those books. And so that took a lot of the pressure off because I didn't have all of the responsibilities of, you know, coming up with the theme, going through um, all of the design aspects and editing aspects and publishing. So that was off my plate. Um, you know, again, asking those questions, does this further my goal? And if it furthered my goal, it was a good thing to do to step into. Um, I have a degree in journalism, so I love to write. It's one of my passion projects. And I had always wanted to author a book. And so when these came into my uh, purview, it was like, yes, absolutely. It fits with my mission. It, it fit for what I was doing. And, you know, there's a couple different reasons that I was involved with those particular books. Um, one was it, it brought some healing to me. Um, one of the books was about overcoming a difficult obstacle in your life and, you know, really sharing your journey. And it really allowed me to have total healing. But then on the flip side, it also gave me the opportunity to inspire other women who have undergone something similar to what I shared in that book. Um, in two of the other books that I did that year as well, it was really about inspiring and sharing my journey. And for me, it was how can I leverage that book? or those books to help further my business. And those three projects gave me an opportunity to share on a personal level. So I wasn't just this business person that people knew, but I was this woman that hopefully became more relatable to other yeah, women. Real personable. And could you mm -hmm. name off those three titles so the audience, that that's part of our thing, we love to do shameless plugs. Could you name <laughs> off those three titles so that the audience can get uh, intertwined with you? 
Sure. So one of them was um, Your Shift Matters. And it was a book of, I think there were 11 or 12 of us who shared information about um, a difficult situation that we had gone through and how we came out on the other side, um, becoming resilient. Uh, one was a devotional. Um, I think the title was I'm a child of God. And so I shared a miracle story that we experienced in our family uh, that had to do with my granddaughter's health and um, how God brought us through. And then one uh, was called Activate Your Life. It was volume two. And it was with a group of 30 coaches who mm. had um, from all over the world. And we all shared one chapter about um, a, a, an aspect of personal development. So if you were a person who was looking to start a personal growth plan, it would be a great resource to pick up all kinds of wonderful things in there. But if you were a coach and you were looking for additional resources that you could use with your clients, um, it could also be used as a resource book to help coaches further their growth as well. Okay, okay. Now let's move over to your company. For the audience and say that I don't chop it up, could you please tell the audience about your company and its extraordinary title? But I want you to tell you how the title got together because we went over it earlier, but I'd like you to introduce the, your company. And here's my question. Um, mm -hmm. Why did you start this company and how did you implement your company's mission statement into your own life? Which we can go back to that one, but that's a lot to throw out there. That's a please. lot. So let me just say that um, Audientum is a, a new yeah. branding um, for my company. I started my first online company back in 2008. I had been a mortgage broker. We had a boutique mortgage agency that dealt with subprime borrowers in 2008. I call that my pre-pandemic time. Um, the, the world of mortgages collapsed and we lost our business and I needed to figure out what am I going to do so I thought you know I have all this mortgage business or experience I could continue to do some work maybe remotely with some banks or some larger firms but I also had 12 years of event planning experience and I thought maybe I could become a travel director and and go back into the world of events um, but what really happened were women who wanted to build a business or who had plateaued in their business started coming to me. So I kind of started coaching before coaching was a thing that didn't really come <laughs> about until around 2014, right. where all of a sudden there was this name for it. So within about six months, I had built a six figure business. I had 11 women working with me and we were making things up as we went along, you know, Facebook, Instagram, all at LinkedIn, all of those things were brand new technologies. And so nobody knew how to leverage those things in their business. And so we, we learned, we tried, we, we failed a lot. We went back to the drawing board and all of a sudden coaching became a thing. And I, I, learned very quickly that most coaches are great coaches, but not great business people. They don't care about the business side. They care about the helping side. And so I started really working with coaches. Well, one of the things that we discovered is that most coaches don't make it beyond the fourth year in their business. And one of the biggest reasons is because they don't get in front of the right people or the right audience. They don't build momentum, right? So we get that audience and momentum coming together to become a really powerful business building tool. 
So um, a little over a year ago, I worked on changing my branding and really started focusing on how people market and how they structure lead generation. And so, so many people use organic means, which I think organic should be a part of your business strategy, but building a business purely organically can take a really long time to connect with the right people. So a lot of people use ads in their marketing plan. And a lot of my clients were bombing out in their ads. The people that they were wanting to work with were not the people that were showing up. And so it didn't matter what kind of structure you were using. If you didn't have the right people to see your offer or to be a part of your launch, you weren't converting. And in fact, you were losing business. So, you know, I'll tell you, there's an organization called the Y Institute, and it, it talks about what your why is. And so I, I have a friend who is a certified Y Institute coach, and she said, you really need to take this assessment. So I did. And so my why is to find a better way. And that is the, the short version of how I live out my mission is finding a better way to help people build a business, to find a better way to help them get in contact with their ideal audience. And through Audentum, we have the only um, lead generation tool of its kind in all the world. And we're super excited about it because we help people find their niche, get a very um, deep dive on that. And then we partner with a data mining company. We go out and find those people. And so essentially we go out and we pre-qualify people on the front end of the process. So when we deliver this audience, they're advertising to a very highly, um, magnified group. We've gotten rid of all the people that don't fit their criteria. We've made sure that the people can afford their high ticket offer. We've made sure that they have an interest. They've been looking for this particular service or product. And so we're really revolutionizing the way people are marketing their business and we're saving them money um, and we're helping them increase their sales. And so it's really an exciting time. Wow. With all that, I mean, and that translates over to lots of different businesses that could even translate over to my business, the podcast, and definitely it translates over there because everything you said, those are things that we have to deal with. Um, every business does. Every yes. single business. Yeah. So real quick, though, just part of the shameless plug, can you plug where people can um, meet you at and um, interact and get into business with you? Sure. You know, the easiest way to find me is just by my name, Anza Goodbar. You'll find me on Facebook, on LinkedIn, on Instagram. Um, and I'm super easy to find. Um, my email is Anza at AnzaGoodbar.com. So I make it super easy to connect with me. Okay. And thank you. <laughs> thank you there. Now, you have a, a project that's coming up soon. Uh, hopefully you will release it in August. You have a 12-week yeah. journal that's coming out. And I can do. you... Uh, Give us a little insight on this. And uh, one thing I want you to hook, line, and sinker the people on, um, why this will be a great part of their business structure mm. in life. Well, this is more for a life thing. Um, okay. 
I, I didn't tell you this, but I'm a mom of four and a grandmother to one. Wow. And leadership is a really important part of our life as an entrepreneur and as an okay. entrepreneurial family. My granddaughter goes to a private school that is dedicated to building up future entrepreneurs and leaders. And so it's something that we talk about in our home on the regular. Um, I am a Maxwell team certified leadership coach. And so, uh, you know, I think that leadership is a part of our lives, no matter who we are, no matter where we are on the age spectrum, right? The first place we need to learn is how to self lead, right? That's where leadership all begins. And so I recently read this book called the 12 week year, and it revolutionized the way I thought about goal setting and planning and how oftentimes people have a really hard time committing to a year long thing, but 12 weeks sounds like it's a, a manageable thing. And so I started thinking about this and my granddaughter and I journal together and she has eight journals that she keeps one for each Ooh. different aspect of her life. She's nine years old and she has got her plans for the future already set in stone. She knows what she knows what she knows. And as I've talked with people especially moms, I find that we teach leadership to our daughters very differently than we do to our sons. And so many women that I've worked with over the years don't see themselves as being a leader. They see themselves in many different roles, but leadership isn't one of them. And so I thought it would be brilliant to make a journal that is designed for moms and daughters to go through together. And so we'll have a whole series, but we're starting out the first one focused on leadership and it's going to have daily activities. It's going to have some assignments that go out and practice, but most importantly, it's gonna have some questions for moms and daughters to discuss this concept of leadership together and to grow together. And then there'll be some measurement tools for them to spend some time reflecting and being able to chart their progress. And so for me, it's about empowering our next generation of leaders. Whoa, okay. Yeah. And when will this be available? Um, our goal is to launch at the end of um, August, um, and we might put that off until Labor Day. We're still kind of toying with that. I'm working with our publisher and making sure that the timelines are going to all work out with getting everything edited and produced, but that's our goal. Okay. Now, Anza, I always have to put everybody on the spot because I'm a podcast. <laughs> you had a terminology, and I heard it, and it like I said, things either strike me in my soul or they hit me in my heart. One of the two. You said the word niching. Yes. Um, can you explain to the audience where niching, niching down in, in mm -hmm. anything um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. is productive mm -hmm. and um, how your company can aid people in, in niching down? For the simple fact, that here's the reason I always throw a little filler in here. And this is because um, I had an issue when I started out podcasting. I was, uh, my demographic was ridiculous. Um, I'm in West Virginia, so I'm a retirement state. You usually get your education here or you come here after you're, if you're older, it's right. kind of like Florida now. Um, so my demographic went 27 to 72. Wow. So I basically, and, and not in any rude way to anyone, so please no one take this for disrespect. So basically I had to go from the teeny boppers to AARP. 
Right. And I had to find, I had to pull like retirement elements and bring them because my audience, I had people that were retired listening. So I don't want to keep them out of loop. So I I had to go and figure out what was I going to do. Right. And then me niching down, I did something really uh, absurd. I decided that I wouldn't go to a medium age of 34 to like 54 because mm-hmm. everybody can still relate to their 30s and 30s 40s and 50s your 20s are a blur um anything afterwards 50s are the greatest time of your life <laughs> until you get to 70 right if you get to 70 you know and i'm not saying that in every way to anyone either but still your, your 30s 40s 50s we can all relate in there that's the time of change that's when most people are established where you get your good footing Mm-hmm. So that's where I had to niche down. I said, I, I got to get it a little tight. I can keep it wide. So I'll have certain shows that, you know, meet the needs of everyone. Sometimes and sometimes it's niche down to a certain level, but I had to learn that the people in their twenties, I have to leave them alone. Marketing mm-hmm. and all that other stuff, basically mm-hmm. too much to do from 27 to 72. It so- is. <laughs> it is. Well, I love that question because that's one of the biggest things that I work with my clients on when it comes to business building is you have to know who your client avatar is, or that's a fancy word for the audience that you serve, right? The people that you work with. And it's really important to understand what is that problem that you solve for them? How do you help them have a better life, to make more money in their business, you know, to have a happier marriage, whatever that is for them. And you can serve more than one niche, but you just need to be very specific. And you touched on this about how you go about getting them. What's that common thread? You know, if I'm selling pink pens, I'm probably selling them to a female. Probably not that many males are going to buy this. And so my marketing is going to matter in how I sell this pin. Now, if I'm selling, you know, this black pin, I can probably sell it to anybody, except for maybe somebody in mortgages because they can only use blue pins when they sign, right? So (laughs) it's important to know what's, what's the use of this tool. You know, what are they using it for? Do they like the way that it writes? Do they like the weight of it? Do they like the squishy part? Do they like that it's a clicky pen? You know, the more that you know about your people, the better you can serve them. The more targeted your message is, the more your offer is structured for meeting their needs. And so a lot of people think everybody is my client. And I'm going to give an example. One of my clients is a transition coach. She works with women going through transition. Well, what does transition really mean? Going from being hungry to being satisfied after eating dinner? Is it, you know, you are having your very first baby? Is it you're going through a divorce? Is it that you just put your parents in a rest home? You know, is it that you just lost your spouse? Is it that you just discovered you had breast cancer? You know, there's a myriad of things that could be a transition. Can she help people with all of those things? Absolutely, she can. But the way she's going to communicate what she does is going to be different. Because I can guarantee you, if you've got a woman who is becoming a mom for the first time, and she's over here talking about, you know, the trials and tribulations of putting your parents in a rest home, that woman who's becoming a new mom is never going to hear her message and is never going to become her client. And so it's really important. And I love how you say, you know, I, I can reach all these people, but my messaging needs to be right here. This is where I need to be. You've created this common thread 
about issues and topics that span the decades to be able to pull people together with what their common goal is. And so many times when we talk about niching, people think about the demographic side. They talk about location, they talk about age and gender and income. Those things are all fine, but none of those things have anything to do with how people think when it comes to making a buying decision. And so we really dig into what we call the psychographics, which are the heart things, right? What makes people choose to buy, right? What's important to them? Is it family? Is it community service? Is it their faith? Is it gosh, it could be one of a million different things. Um, and, and being able to really nail that down and be really clear about what that is. And that makes you, A, focus on who they are. Because people will buy for one of 10 reasons. But for the most part, it's how can they make more money? How can they save money? How can they feel more loved and accepted and how can they build more status? You know, those are the, the major ones that I've encountered in my business. And so you want to know what is their buying motivation, because that helps narrow down your niche. Then how does your product or service help them achieve what they're motivated to do already? And so what that does is it takes the selling out of the, the equation because you're serving them at your highest level. You know who they are, you know what's important, you know what drives them, and you know what the problem is from where they are to where they want to be or who they want to become. How do you help them you know, build that bridge between the two sides of the chasm so they can live their best life, right? Whether they're trying to be the best mom, the best spouse, the best businesswoman, the best ice skater, the best swimmer, whatever it is that they're wanting to be. And the key to that is it isn't what you want their best to be. It's what they want their best to be that you're helping them achieve. And when you can take yourself out of the equation and really focus on all of those things about them, then you've truly niched down and you've elevated yourself as being that expert, as being that go-to reliable person that they know can solve their problem. Because they, they're like, man, JR knows me. I can go listen to his podcast because he gets me. He knows I need to be learning about X, Y, Z, right? Because you're showing up, you're serving them, you're paying attention to the feedback that they're giving you. And it puts you in a very special place in their heart, in their world. And you're making this impact that you might not even see the depth of, um, you know, from your seated position. Um, I, I always laugh because my granddaughter always tells me I'm, I'm Facebook famous, you know, it's just like everybody knows you on Facebook. Everybody follows you on Facebook. And I'm like, oh, that's not true. But it is the ripple effect, right? It's like dropping that, that pebble in the pond and your ripples just get bigger and bigger and bigger. And so the more focused you are on that pebble, right, which is your solution to the problem, you drop it in and then you're able to help more people because it just keeps spreading and spreading. Wow, that was powerful. That was powerful. Okay, now two terminologies because um I am one of those uh I'm very, I have a good vernacular, 
proficiency and efficiency. They go hand in hand. One goes before the other, in my opinion. Um, But how do you use proficiency and efficiency with your clients after you've got them started? Because you get them proficient in certain ways to stimulate their audience in different different types of growth. Mm -hmm. But how do you keep them efficient with that? And then after you get them efficient, how do you keep them proficient again? Because the thing is, is that once you're efficient, you got to get uh-huh. proficient with it. So, you know, it keeps going. It's a, right. it's a cycle. It is a cycle. So I'm a planner at heart. And if you're really going to be proficient and efficient, you need to be intentional about the steps that you're taking. You need to spend some time creating a plan and not just flying by the seat of your pants. And so sometimes we have to stop and pause to say, where am I right now and where do I want to be and break it down into tactics to get there. And sometimes that might mean you need to refine and hone in on or even learn a new skill. But, you know, you need to ask yourself some filtering questions. Again, is this going to get me closer to my goal? Because one of the big things that entrepreneurs always get Um, tripped up in is if I'm busy, I must be successful. Just because you're busy, it doesn't mean that you're making money, right? You can be busy doing all of the wrong things. And so the key is to really sit down. I can tell you 90% of the people who come to work with me don't have a business plan. They don't think that that's an important tool for them. And it's like, if you don't know where you're going, how are you going to get there? You're going to keep changing direction. You're going to keep trying new things. And um, in this book that I just read, the 12-week year, um, one of the things that he says is 90% of the time, it isn't the plan that's wrong. It's that you didn't have tactics in order to work the plan. And so, you know, some people will write a business plan and they'll set it aside and never look at it again. You know, but it, it's your GPS. It, it's how you're going to grow your business. And so slow down, have a plan, put together those tactics, show up consistently and work that plan and constantly ask yourself. And I mean, daily ask yourself, is taking this meeting going to further my mission? Is doing this task going to further my mission? Does this need to be done? If so, do I need to be the one to do it? Can I delegate this task, right? Are there things that we're doing that aren't producing results? Are there things that we should not be doing that we're currently doing? You know, what should we be doing that we're not doing because we're busy doing other things that don't need to be done, right? And it's, right. it's really important to be able to create that sifting system, right? To get rid of all of the bunk because we really can fool ourselves into that idea of, oh, I'm so busy. I don't have time to do this or do that. You really have to pause. Um, thinking is a really important part of life, right? And, yes. and we all mm-hmm. think in different ways. And some people laugh at me when I say you need to schedule time to think at least once a week. You need to schedule 20 minutes to an hour to think. And there's a lot of different styles of thinking, like big picture thinking, right? Look at your business. Look at your life from a bird's eye point of view. What's working? What isn't working? What could you do better, right? Looking at reflective thinking, again, 
looking back, you know, what did I learn from that? How can I apply that moving forward? You know, sometimes we don't see things coming because we can't see the forest through the trees, right? It's like, man, I thought this was going to work out. And then it's like, wow, I didn't see that bus come in. Wow, it hit me right in the face. Holy cow, what just happened, right? And so being able to utilize different styles of thinking in our business can help us be better planners, better leaders, better decision makers, and ultimately better business owners. Man, you, you, you've got a pretty down pack. And uh, one thing I, I do want to say, like, you actually took one of my questions away from me that I normally ask everybody. Um, and you answered it earlier, but I'm going to reiterate this to the audience. Uh, you told us how you take care of yourself, your self-care, how you do mm-hmm. that stuff. That's one question I always ask uh, any type of con- mm-hmm. c- content creator, business owner, entrepreneur, how you do that. So you already answered that for me. So we're going to just spin along and we're going to go through this real quick. Um, I pay homage to a news magazine. It's called 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2020 was uh, one of the greatest news magazines on Friday nights after TGI Fridays. John Stossel with the comedy. Diane Sawyer probably was underrated as an interviewer as a journalist if you do had followed her pieces growing up you knew that she was something but barbara walters was the star barbara walters no matter what we say or people want to you know they want to say whatever at the end of the night at 10 42 and sometimes she ran over to 1105 to mess up the nightly news on friday but (laughs) all you were getting was football games in the fall anyway when she did that um she made people see a, a have a different way of thinking sometimes she'd make you think until saturday morning when you woke up the next day or sometimes she just put a twist on someone made the the things that that we had their persona things that made them a certain way they made us think differently about those things and uh, that's one thing i credit her with to anybody that's ever been involved in any type of journalism because you can even say that there's a point that barbara walters you, you may not have a spot on interview, but you can say Barbara Walters, Dan Rathers, um, Peter Jennings. It's a list, Ted Koppel too, um, mm-hmm. that just had a style, even Larry King, that had a certain style that just influenced you in journalism. Mm-hmm. So it's time for your 2020 questions. Are you ready, Anza? Oh my gosh, I am ready. <laughs> okay, so so our first one, it, it goes off of a Diane Sawyer type deal. All right, you have a company, you have success. Um, and in success, you know, we always love to hear about the great points and all that stuff, but the true heart of business is the defeat and the failure. Mm-hmm. So without going into to too much detail, because I don't want to take away from what the defeat or the failure was, but I want to know, could you let the audience know about a failure that you had to rise out of like a phoenix? Mm. Well, you know, for me, that was really easy. It was the 2008 crash in the mortgage industry. You know, um, my business failed not through any fault of my own, but I had to reinvent myself because initially we thought, you know, this is a bubble. It's going to pop. Things are going to go back to normal. The tools that we used for um, our borrowers would come back and they didn't. And because you know, and, and this is part of niching, right? We knew who our market was and we served them really well. But at the same time, we weren't able to compete with um, a credit borrowers, uh, with those lenders that were out there. And so it was kind of a, a double-edged sword. It's like, what do I do next? And so I really had to look at um, 
not allowing that failure to feed my thoughts about who I was. It was an event. It wasn't me. And I'll tell you, it took a minute because we had 11 families that counted on us to put food on their table and keep a roof over their head. And we felt very responsible for each and every one of them. So it wasn't just me failing me. It was me failing this whole group of people that we worked with. And I really had to you know, and at the time, mindset wasn't a word, right? Growth mindset wasn't a word. Right. Fixed mindset wasn't a thing, right? It was, it was all about confidence and it was all about self-esteem and it was all about that inner self-talk. And it took me a while to feel like I had worth and value to go out and help people. And it was really hard after having such an epic fail because we were ready to go um, national. We were set up to open regionally in 2009 and all of those plans were just wiped away. And so I think that um, failure gets a bad rap because failure is a stepping stone to success. And sometimes it's that tool that we use to redefine who we are and it's that tool that allows us to hold the mirror up to our face and and be able to be really real you know did this suck yeah it did are your feelings hurt yeah they are you know are people laughing at you maybe but one of my mentors said to me what other people think about you is none of their business or none of your business, sorry, what you think of you is ultimately what matters. And it really took some mindset shifting for me to be able to embrace that and own that and be able to say, you know what? Yeah, I fell down, I skinned my knees. But ultimately, it turned out to be one of the best things that could have ever happened to me because now I'm not just helping people in my city, I help people all over the world. And in 2008, I could never have thought or dreamed or fathomed that that would be the case. Okay. And I like that answer. Now we're going to dive into the business portion because you cover something that I had to learn hard about. We were talking about niching down and mm -hmm. uh, something that you can pick up from Everett's website. Uh, it's a terminology, um, data-driven curated audience. And mm -hmm. I had to learn about this the hard way. We have analytics in podcasting. And right. analytics work fine for a long time, looking at different graphics and all that stuff. But um, as I got into the consultant portion of this, because we got a little got a little uh, success here and there, mm -hmm. I learned from my personal uh, interest and from what I did that you had to really know your audience. And when they when these gurus talk about these audiences, they don't tell you what you need to know. Like you actually need to know the person. They need to know Stanley that lives in Toledo, um, Jamie in Colorado Springs. I need to know the right. person. I need to have an email address, maybe not a cell phone number or anything like that, but I need to be personable enough with them. That's beyond a d direct message on Instagram, beyond mm -hmm. a message on LinkedIn. These people need to have a certain level of intimacy with me that fits in the confines of what I provide. Right. So, with your business, there's pros and cons, and you provide this to people. Mm -hmm. What are two pros and two cons of having this information? Well, let me say this. We as Americans give our data away like it's nothing. Every day in the United States, 
there are 5,500 data points that are collected on each and every one of us every single day. So there's a lot of data flying around out there. So if you're using Google searches, right, if you're on social media, if you use discount cards at the grocery store or at the gas pump or at the pharmacy, if you use Alexa or Siri, all of this is being collected out there, right? If you're using ads on social media, you maybe are able to tap into, I'm gonna say 50, because with privacy laws and Apple updates, a lot of those have been stripped away. So when you talk about a pro, the pro is we at my company are able to type into 550 of those. So we're tapping into a 10th of what's even available. Large corporations use our technology all the time, but until we started doing this, it wasn't available to the small business owner. So uh, a pro is one, you get to really know who it is, right? Yes. 50 versus 550 data points. You know a lot about the person you're talking to, so you can be very targeted. Two is you can upload your audience to run your ads to your audience directly to those people that you have predefined. So that means that A, you're gonna spend less on ad spend because you know exactly who you're, you're working with and your, your messaging is far more targeted. Two, you're not relying on the algorithm to decide who is going to show your ads to. And well, I'm gonna give you three, this is a bonus. Okay. You're not serving your ad to bots, which is part of the algorithm when it decides who's gonna see. There's 30 to 36% of all accounts out on Facebook right now that are fake accounts or bots. Those are never going to buy from you. And so we get rid of that. So let's talk about the cons of what we do, right? So for some people, it's like, I'm getting all up in people's business. I feel like I'm spying on them. I feel like, you know, and, I, I can't say that one way or the other. How you feel is how you feel about it. Big businesses who use this tactic, they make $8 for every dollar they spend on advertising. The average small business owner makes two and a half to $3 on their ad spend, which really tells me is they're barely breaking even. They're making just enough to cover their costs and reinvest and do it all over again. So they're not growing wealth, right? So I think... Uh, feeling like big brothers looking into people's business is a con, but it's out there. We give up our data regularly. Everybody knows when I go to the grocery store, when I go to the gas station, what I buy, the route I take, right? Because I use Google Maps, um, all of that is out there. And so we should be able to leverage that. Another con would be, it takes an investment. It's an expensive product and it isn't right for everybody. Um, and if you don't have a mindset of, I need to invest in my business to grow my business, it isn't going to be a product that's going to be good for you. And so, you know, one, you have to have the mindset that you want to be able to invest in your business. And two, you need to be able to be, you know, not risk averse in, in being able to look at the potential of what you can grow by connecting with the right people. Okay. Now the Barbara Walters question, and this is the hardest one oh, no. uh, to, to, to ask and to get an answer to. Okay. So at the end of the day, you close the door and you're inside your house. Now you told us about your self-care. 
mm-hmm. but and you told us about actually taking time to think uh, you did all the perfect modules for the self-care like you took my questions and just dissected them and <laughs> tore them apart but there comes a, a period of time outside of the thinking that you've got to take five minutes for yourself so what does Anza do for that five minutes because uh, you've already given 15 to thought but that five <laughs> minutes an example for with me for example um growing up I grew up in the NES Nintendo days like 1985 and up so I'm a video gamer at heart but not like what this generation does now so mm-hmm. once in a blue moon I will sit out and I will play a video game or I'll go back and speed run through something that I played in 1988 mm-hmm. but that's my five minutes of release it takes me to another place it gets me outside of this so what is an interest or what is something that you use to relax I cannot even be believe that I'm sharing this out loud so um my kids are really into Harry Potter and they play the Harry Potter game and so we have a Harry Potter club on the Harry Potter app and so we go out and we fight the Harry Potter monsters through this game and um we're highly competitive which is very relaxing but I find that you know within our team it's like I'm the cheerleader I'm the motivator I'm the promoter I'm getting people to you know dig in and and help us and we're in the second highest level in the Harry Potter system of hierarchy and you know we just started doing this about 13 weeks ago and so we're super excited to see the people. And so I'm like, I'm, I'm just a big nerd at heart. And so I think <laughs> that that's my guilty pleasure. <laughs> and I'll tie along with that. Um, we, the same company that makes a game, uh, Nay Nanik or whatever, they do Pokemon Go. And we're, we were, me and my coach Stacy, we were heavily into that too. So I know the feeling. Yeah. So I know what goes on there. So definitely there. So um, to wrap this up real quick, um, I do a testament for everyone. So Anza, here's your testament. Um, You've been through a lot of ups and downs. I've just met you today, had a pretty good pre-call, and I've gotten to know you, and you have a wonderful business, and you have an amazing outlook on life. So um, I'm not going to put all that in testament, but I will say this one thing here. Um, Fortitude in business, being able to differentiate when someone needs your business and not needing your business, that you were the first person I've had on this show, and we have over 180 plus shows that I heard say that. That was something that's so commendable because sometimes people want to force everyone down a rabbit's hole. And you clearly put a gem in this episode and and I want people to go back in and and hear this again. You didn't force anybody to join you or anything like that. You said that it may not work for them. So that's one thing right there. That's a certain type of compassion and a certain type of integrity that you have inside your business that you should look at the mirror and and be proud of. Uh, Next thing with the mirror um, 2008, you've seen a reflection. 2018, you've seen a bigger reflection. Um, and you didn't allow the pandemic to move you in any direction. You kept forward with what you're doing. That is a hard thing to do because a lot of people um, have a pre-COVID and a post-COVID life. Now, I've been podcasting since 2018 myself, a little mm-hmm. bit before that. So it was before the pandemic, before it was cool, you know. So right. when I hear that from someone, like I said, that's one of those things that strikes me because it takes a lot to keep doing what you were doing beforehand because so many people had so many uh, diversions, distractions, as I will say, distractions uh, definitely put people in a certain, um, certain different areas, but it didn't do that to you. Um, you kept true to who you are and even through ups and downs, you remain the same. You remain a pure hearted person. It seems 
And I will say that it's more than seems. Um, and with goodwill and intent. Goodwill and intent is what is lost in this digital media age. So please take your goodwill and intent and keep spreading it around the world. Um, that's some of those things that you can't manufacture, just like charisma. It's one of those things that you can't build or, or make. People can have intent, but they don't have the adjective in front of it. They can have will, but they don't have that adjective in front of it. So keep that with you. And I hope that that passed along through your grandchildren, through your children, and anybody else that's associated with you. So that's my testimony for you right there. Um, Thank you. Your goodwill and intent will carry you further than what you're thinking today. Tomorrow could be a, a, a eclipse. And next thing you know, the sun comes back out the day after that. And, right. you know. It's a whole new world for you. So once again, I want to thank you for coming on West Virginia Commonplace. The last thing I'd like you to do for us is we've already done a shameless plug, but there's people behind the scenes. There's someone or a core of people that have helped you along the way and that stand behind you in every decision you make. Sometimes they counter it. Sometimes they give you a counter offer to the counter you give them. So please let the audience know who they are and let those people know that you care. Oh, that is so sweet. You know, um, I have been in business with my children <clears throat> since 2008, and sometimes they are my my best critics. They, <clears throat> excuse me, they call me out when I need to be called out. It's like, mom, you're not thinking right. No, you need to look at it this way. And <clears throat> excuse me, and I appreciate that so much. Um, and, you know, they're the ones that are there to celebrate our successes. But, you know, another person that I really would like to give a shout out to is one of my coaches. Her name is Sandra Possing. She was such an instrumental part into me um, stepping into who I was to become. She helped me work through some inner dialogue that was really holding me back from showing up. And I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for her believing in me and inspiring me and challenging me to do some really tough inner work. Okay. And I and think, oh, I was going to say just one more group of people is, yeah. you know, all of my, my colleagues through the Maxwell team, um, you know, I, I'm 50,000 people deep in um, being surrounded with other like-minded people, you know, um, who are committed to personal growth, who are committed to collaborating and not competing, and to always be there to lift you up and give a hand. And I know it isn't that way for all entrepreneurs out there, but it can be. Okay. And Anza Guevara, I want to thank you once again for coming on West Virginia and Commonplace. You have enlightened this audience and to the content creators, to anyone out there in the world that is business-oriented, business-minded, or anyone that is entrepreneurial sent and is trying to get their business off the ground. There's someone here that you can meet and greet, and that's Anza Goodbar. Once again, I'm JR from West Virginia and Commonplace. I've had Anza Goodbar with me on here, and we are out. Please follow WV Uncommonplace on Instagram, Tumblr, Twitter, TikTok where we have some great content, Facebook, LinkedIn, hit up the merch store at onecommonplace.square.site, join the email list from the website, and rate, subscribe, and give feedback from your favorite podcatcher. And lastly thanks for listening and tune into the next episode.